Some time ago, Matt was asked to sing Friends in Low Places for a meeting of co-workers at Allstate. Now, I won't play the video of him practicing it at home, but I will show you how he dressed for it. <laughs> you know, the only thing better than him looking like Garth Brooks singing Friends in Low Places would be for him to be singing Friends in High Places, as Larnell Harris has done. And wouldn't we all like to have friends in high places? You know, when Grace was just a baby, Nikki and Marilyn actually skipped church one Sunday morning to take her to an address by President Bush. And Nikki had prepared a special little t-shirt for her that said, Kiss me, Mr. President. Well, they got there early, and they worked their way to the front, and he kissed her. And the picture actually made it to the front page of the New York Times. Now, we still have a shadow box with the picture and headline hanging in our home. It is, of course, just a picture of a politician kissing the baby. We like to think of him as a friend who was in high places. You know, the closest thing I ever really had to a, an earthly friend in high places was probably Walter Crawford. I'm sure you all know who he is. Well, he was the founder and the director of the World Bird Sanctuary. <laughs> And that's a big deal, though. As such, he rode on an award-winning float for several years at the Rose Bowl Parade carrying an eagle. I, I met Walt when he was the judge at the only bird show I ever entered, and he gave Rainbow my first parrot. Some of you may remember having a rainbow on your shoulder. Uh, he gave her best in show, and we became friends. At the time, he worked at uh, the St. Louis Zoo, and when we took the kids there for their annual visit, Walt would always spend time visiting with us and showing us around. When he opened the bird sanctuary, he entrusted me with several birds of prey to train, and Marilyn and I visited in his home and were guests at his wedding. When I would call the sanctuary office, I was always put right through because I was Walt's friend. Who we have as friends does make a difference. Sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not so good. You know, parents are often worried about the friends their kids have, and rightfully so. For as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts. Good morals. My dad put it this way, shun evil companions. The friends we choose do make a difference. They can affect our behavior for good or evil, as the book of Proverbs makes abundantly clear. And we are often known by the friends we keep. You know, if we hang with the wrong friends, people tend to make assumptions about us. Sometimes they're wrong, but often they're right. Because our friends 
do tend to reflect our values even if we haven't yet openly expressed them. So it is important who we choose as friends and who chooses us. In addition to character concerns, having the right friends can affect our standing in the eyes of others. If we have prominent friends, we're often thought to be prominent as well. To be honest, that's why most of us like to have friends in high places. We not only have their ear, we share their standing. Hushai the Archite was such a man. In the 27th chapter of 1 Chronicles, we find a list of individuals and their relationship to King David. Along with commanders of his army, overseers of his property, counselors, and tutor to the king's sons was Hushai, the archite, the king's friend. Wouldn't that be awesome to be known as the king's friend. And I can think of only one position I'd rather have, and no, it's not king. It's friend of God. It's friend of God. Something Abraham and Moses were known to be in the Bible. Three times in Scripture, Abraham was referred to as God's friend. And God spoke to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. What a privilege. It must have been to be the friend of God. Well, guess what? We, too, can become friends of God. And we do so by becoming friends of Christ. We're reminded of that fact, and we learn the privileges of friendship with Christ in our text for today. As a friend of Christ, we share his love, we share his plans, and we share his work. What more could anyone want? As a friend of Christ, we share his love. We're in John chapter 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. If we are to be Christ's friends, we must do what he's commanded us to do. Now, don't let that put you off. You know, it almost sounds as if we are buying a friendship. You know, do what I want and you can be my friend. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Now, it is true, however, that we must do what he says if we're to become his friend because sin separates us from him. And he told us what to do to get rid of that sin so we can become his friend. The command he's making here is simply that we love one another, that we demonstrate our friendship with him by doing for each other what he has done for us. And what has he done for us? First and foremost, he has shown us love. And since Jesus has shown us love, we are expected to show love to one another. In fact, we are commanded to do so. His primary command to us 
is that we love one another. And the fact that it is a command tells us something very important about the nature of love. If it can be commanded, it must be more than an emotion. You cannot command an emotional response, but you can command loving action. As you're well aware, the most eloquent definition of love is found in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. It's all about actions not feelings. And that's the kind of love we must have for each other. And if we love one another like that, guess what? We really do become friends. So friends of Christ must be friends with each other. Our relationship with him must be reflected in our relationships within the church. Now, we may have differences, but we must be friends, best friends, willing to do for each other what Christ did for us. And what did he do for us? He died for us. Jesus proved his love for us by laying down his life for his friends, all of his friends. How many friends would you be willing to die for? How many among us here today would you be willing to die for? Maybe I should ask that another way. Is there anyone here you wouldn't be willing to die for? Fortunately, none of us have been put into the position of having to make that decision, but we should think about it. And at the very least, we must be willing to love each other sacrificially. We must be willing to give up what we want for the sake of others in the church. And apparently, even that is hard to do. As witnessed by dissension in churches and denominational conflicts, to say nothing of individual brothers and sisters who fight and squabble and stab each other in the back. It's certainly no way for the friends of Christ to act. It's a bad reflection on him, and it's actually a denial of our friendship with him. In fact, it's through our love for one another that we demonstrate that we are his disciples, let alone his friends. So we must share his love with each other if we are to be friends of Christ. To fail to do so tells the world we're really not his friend. We may be an acquaintance, but we're certainly not a friend. Friends of Christ share his love, and they share his plans. Let's read on. No longer do I call you slaves, 
For the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father have been made known to you. Moses, Joshua, David, Paul, and James all considered it a privilege to be called servants of God. And we acknowledge our willingness to be servants of Christ when we call him Lord, which is another name, another word, for master. However, he here tells his disciples that he no longer calls them servants or slaves. He calls them friends because he's taken them into his confidence. You know, a slave just does what he's told. He doesn't need to understand why. But Jesus shared his plans with the disciples. He didn't just want blind obedience. He wanted them to share his goals and purposes. He wanted them to understand what was going on. He wanted his plans to become their plans. He didn't just want them working for him. He wanted them working with him as friends with commonly held objectives. So he elevated them to the position of friend by confiding in them. And when he told them, we know. That means we too have been elevated beyond the role of servant to the position of friend. We have been made friends of Christ. Friends of the king, if you please. Now that idea would have had special relevance to people living under Roman emperors and eastern kings. In fact, to be a friend of the king was the highest position anyone could have, higher than a general or a statesman. A friend of the king had unequaled access to the king. He could even go into the king's bedchamber and wake him up. The king was always available to him, and nothing was held back from him. The same is true of us as friends of Christ. We are given free access to him, and he holds nothing back from us, nothing that we need to know. Indeed, a friend is someone with whom you share everything. You know, we often think of Jesus as a friend with whom we can share everything. He's also a friend who has shared everything with us. He told his disciples, all things I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you, and that we are. Everything God revealed to Jesus during his time on earth has been made available to us. Now, obviously, everything Christ knows and has done has not been made known to us, and John will make that clear at the end of his gospel. He says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books which are written. But when bringing his first letter to a close, John will note the importance of knowing what has been written. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, in order that you may have eternal life. As a friend, Jesus had made certain we can know everything we need to know. And if we are to be a good friend, 
we better make sure we read and study everything he has made known to us. Now, he didn't share his plans with us so we would know something no one else knows. He shared his plans so we can share his work. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. And this I command you, that you love one another. We were chosen to be friends of Christ. He approached us with the offer of friendship while we were still sinners, alienated from him. He made the first move. And if we accept it, he goes a step further. He takes trusted friends and gives them the privilege of sharing in his work. You know, just as the disciples were made into apostles, so we have been appointed as Christ's representatives on earth. We've been sent out with his authority to do his work. As he commissioned them, he has also commissioned us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The best way to make disciples is to introduce people to Jesus, to your friend, and to let them know he wants to become their friend too. And then tell them, how to do it. And we do that most effectively by first allowing his spirit to develop within us the fruit of the spirit, fruit that is in keeping with the character of our friend. In other words, we let them see what he is like by letting them see him in our life. If we bear that fruit in our life, we will become effective workers in the kingdom. Now, as we've already noted, the fruit we're expected to produce is not converts. We sow, and we water, but it's God who gives the increase. Only God, through the activity of his spirit, can truly convert anyone. However, we have been given the privilege of helping gather fruit for eternal life. And that fruit is converts. You know, there's certainly no greater joy than seeing someone come to know Jesus as their friend, at least in part, because you are a good friend of his. As a friend of Christ, we long to become all he wants us to be and do all he wants us 
to do. And as our friend, through his spirit, he comes alongside, even inside, and makes it all possible. As a friend of Christ, we do have a friend in high places, a friend in the highest of places. And because of our friendship with his son, whatever we ask of the Father will be given to us so we can accomplish the work we've been appointed to do. If we become friends of Christ, we share his love, we share his plans, and we share his work. What more could we want in life? What a friend we have in Jesus. You know, that fact really hit me this morning during prayer. I always begin my prayer times thanking God for his blessings. And I guess because this was all in my mind, I thanked him for being my friend. And it just went, wow. (laughs) Wow. I would highly recommend the next time you're in prayer, just thank God for being your friend. It'll change you. I guarantee it. What a friend we have in Jesus. Let's stand.